This Table Talk is made possible by Chronic and Mighty, a newsletter from themighty.com. I'm Sky, and today I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Shruti. And I'm Harrison. And today we're talking about one of my favorite topics to discuss, but also one of the most aggravating. That would be finances and health. To get us started on this massive topic, I'm curious, what is everyone's most expensive physical or mental health condition? Shruti and Harrison, while you two think about it, I'll get us started. And it seems maybe like a non-traditional answer, but my gut tells me my bipolar 2 disorder is my most expensive health condition because spending during a hypomanic phase was, that's one of the key features of a hypomanic phase for me and was also a big indicator for my providers when it came to diagnosis once I actually opened up about overspending and everything like that. Don't get me wrong, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome is super expensive. I've had so many procedures done. My, my gut tells me if I look back at credit card statements, bipolar is probably my more expensive condition. Shruti, how about you? I gotta go with you. My mental health condition t- seems to be the most expensive one. Like when I, whenever I feel depressed and I'm in that extreme lows, I go on Amazon and I shop all night, all morning. And actually I do that even with migraine where everything, almost everything I need to treat it is not covered under insurance. Everything is out of pocket expenses, especially the pain-somnia shopping. Oh, the Pinsomnia shopping is so real. I bought a beanbag chair during my last <laughs> prolonged at- migraine attack. So I feel you. Harrison, how about you? I'd actually have to say it's probably my mental health with relation to misophonia. I think I've been spending the last, I don't know, I want to say a couple of years trying to find different devices to help with like noise cancellation. I have earplugs. I have curtains that have blocked out sound. I have all sorts of weird things that I've used, I'm sure I've spent at least a couple, probably around $1,000 on just various equipment over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's one of those things where hopefully, you know, someday we find the right thing that's worth all the money that helps us fix, you know, the problems we're dealing with. Till then, though, it's trial and error. Now, we've touched on this a bit, but there are a lot of hidden costs that come with living with a physical or mental health condition that can include insurance premiums, co-pays, hitting your insurance deductible, paying for medication like Shruti, you mentioned a lot of stuff you have to pay for out of pocket because insurance won't cover it. What are some of the other hidden costs, even aside from, you know, the world of insurance and paying for medication and whatnot that able-bodied people might not be aware of? Off the top of my head, again, this is speaking from my experience being in Canada and having a universal healthcare system where I don't have to pay for my consults or some of the treatments that I need. So transportation costs, because I'm sick, I cannot drive myself, so I have to take Uber or the public transport. Public transport is very overwhelming, can set off, let's say, flashbacks, CPTSD, or I can have like dizziness and stuff. So taking an Uber is a transportation cost. I'd say home modifications as well, or if you're spending too much time at home because you're sick, you're working from home, then you'll see an increase in your utility bills. If you can't cook for yourself, then that there's the ordering takeout every single day. Alternative treatments, because that is what helps us most of the time, getting massage, or let's say going to the chiropractor, or practical things that help us with our pain. Childcare, pet care when you need it because it's really overwhelming to do this all by yourself. Non-prescription medication, especially when it comes to supplements. They say take supplements, but nobody covers them and we have to pay for it. And it's very expensive in most places. 
I'd also say everything is premium when it comes to healthcare. Even when you talk about getting a ramp, your apartment does not have a ramp and you have to get it installed and you have to pitch in sometimes. And special clothing, if tags annoy me when I have allodynia, getting sustainable fabric and things like that, nobody really thinks, but this really adds to the cost. And like Harrison mentioned, finding products to help you keep your symptoms in control or manage your condition. You brought up so many amazing points, but yeah, having to pay for your own accommodations, whether you pay for your own mobility devices, like I had to pay for my own cane. And then if that breaks, I'm on the hook again. I ended up paying out of pocket for like acupuncture and that helped so much, but I can't afford to go back right now. And I probably won't be able to for a long time. Harrison, what are some of the hidden costs that you found? I mean, Trudy did a great job at covering the majority of them. First of all, I mean, prescription costs for sure, over-the-counter stuff, and the amount of times I've been dealing with nasal issues since I was a little kid. The amount of Claritin I had purchased over the last two decades is pretty significant. Not to be cheeky about this, but I definitely say the emotional cost, because I think a lot of times, we talked about this briefly before this, about thinking about things that normally most people won't think about. I live with IBS, and I think that when you go to a movie theater or when you go out to a place you have to be like okay where's the bathroom so I, I know where that is so if anything happens i can make my way over there and it's these little emotional costs that i think kind of tack in that the average person that's not dealing with this day in and day out just doesn't recognize i think yes there are the material costs of this the material hidden costs that we've talked about but yes exactly like the emotional costs the mental costs the physical costs there's such a high rate of burnout just from being a patient i know i go through cycles personally where i can't I'm not functioning well because I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so that affects my work. That affects my ability to make money, to be able to afford food and medicine and pay my insurance premiums. If you don't have a job, you have to navigate in the U.S., speaking from this perspective, different government assistance programs. And those are not accessible applications in any way whatsoever. People have to end up finding a lawyer and that people don't have spoons for that. That's not a helpful way to navigate, not a helpful system. But yeah, and then also the time. It takes so much time to take care of ourselves. And like you said, Harrison, that's something that we have to consider constantly. Like, I can't think of the last time I went to a place and wasn't aware of where the bathroom is in case I have to vomit, frankly. Blows my mind that other people don't have to think about that. It's really painful living like this. Our lives are not like other people's for many reasons, especially because you need a job to have insurance and you need that insurance to be well enough to have a job that pays for the rest of things. And even having insurance does not ensure that everything is taken care of because there's so many things that is not covered. And even being here in like a universal healthcare system, there are so many things that we have to pay for by ourselves. Like I needed a CPAP machine. And because of how much my husband owns, I was not eligible to get government coverage for that because apparently we could afford that. But then again, you take into account cost of living, the inflation and everything. There's barely enough money that a person is making to cover their health care bills. So most of the time I have, you know, I used to find myself just waiting to save up enough to buy one tool and then waiting to save up enough to buy one medicine and so on and so forth, which is which is not a nice way to live. You want to work. We want to work. We want to make money and we want to have vacations and we want to do all that. Instead, we work and we really struggle not to take days off because we don't want to lose the money. 
and we spend everything that we earn on accommodations on tools. I think that Shudu was saying a good thing about kind of segueing into the, the extra costs that kind of go into it, because if we are in a system, right, especially in America, if we're in a system where everybody makes a certain amount of money, an average person that doesn't have the health conditions or the stuff that the rest of us are going through, they don't see that additional money going elsewhere. So they're making more money than us because they don't have to put that extra money towards all of the things that are trying to keep their lives together. So ultimately, we end up paying more. Oh, my gosh. That was, yes, I wish I could. I wish I wouldn't be heinous to snap on a microphone, but I just want to do all the snaps. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I took this trip out to the other side of the country for this thing that I was like, okay, I absolutely have to do this. No question in my mind. But... I had to pay more money for the accommodation than anybody else who was there because I mapped out where the nearest urgent care locations were and where a pharmacy was just in case because you have to plan for these things. And also, I couldn't bring everything I wanted or needed to because I had to prioritize space in my carry-on bag for my plethora of medications. Yeah, that's oof, the time thing too. And I had this back in 2019. I was working 55 hours a week. I was commuting for an hour and a half. That was just one way. And I was on SNAP, so I was receiving benefits. Because of the lack of money and time and energy, and even though I kept getting injured on the job is before I was diagnosed with EDS, I couldn't afford to go to any providers in terms of time or mental capacity or money. Like my entire SNAP budget went to foods that were maybe safe for my gastroparesis that also wasn't diagnosed then. And yeah, just where our priorities, like you both were saying, it's just it's just so different. And now I'm getting reclaimed just thinking about how, oh yeah, like when I was in that job, people didn't have to prioritize their money that way. Like people were still going out on the weekends and I was at home just sleeping and trying to recover for the next 55 hour week. On that note, so I've had this track record that people usually make fun of. Ever since I started working, I work myself to the ground 16 hours a day and I usually work for seven months. And at the end of seven months, I burn out and I have to force to take a sabbatical because my body just won't go any further and be at home for the next five months. So whatever I make and whatever I save goes towards sustaining myself for the next five months. And this is how my life has been. So people laugh at the career breaks that I've had and they say, oh, it's seven months. Are you going to, this is reality. You work so that you can sustain yourself for the time that you can't. You work so that you pay those bills that other people don't have. You work so you can just be functional and someday get back and do it all over again. And it's a really terrible place to be. And it's also the food. People with chronic illness need specific diets or specific foods or like things that are not processed, things from whole foods, let's say. And that's expensive. Food that doesn't make us sick is expensive. And it's really hard. And it's it's like harder to find, too. When I was going through, when I was, before I started working at the Mighty, back when I was unemployed and I was trying to find work wherever I could get it, I used to just wander around. The closest places to me were places like McDonald's and Taco Bell and the places that don't have the healthiest options for me, especially as a vegetarian. It's like going to these places, you get what you can get. And yeah, if, if, if you don't have enough money and you're trying to make ends meet by every week or every two weeks or every month or however it is for you, you have to factor that in, okay, can I afford to eat good this week? Or can I afford just to sustain myself with this week just so I can afford the medication I need to get through the next week? So there's all these little 
things you have to factor in. It's like, and my roommate says this to me a lot, and I've adopted this ideology about coins, and it's how everybody gets a certain amount of coins every day. And I think you get, you, some people say spoons, other people have, have different kinds of words for it. But yeah, it's you only have so many coins and you're running out of those coins, you have to refresh. You have to find a way to do that. And I feel like with mental health, especially when you're not financially in the best place, it just is the worst. I can't say any, it's just the worst because I feel like you have to constantly cut corners for yourself. You're trying to run a small business that is yourself and you have no money coming in and you have to cut your own corners. And those own corners ended up being either your mental health, your physical health, whatever you do to get it by. You also keep working even though you know you're burning out because you can't afford to stop and take care of yourself. But eventually that just leads to burnout and you'll be forced to take care of yourself. It's just like devil in the deep sea kind of situation for most people, especially with the current state of affairs in the world where everything has quadrupled in price and there are people living on, let's say, $75 a week food coupons after having filed for disability. I don't know how anybody can buy anything healthy. Eating at McDonald's is probably going to make them sicker. Exactly. I feel like you're either paying the upfront cost, the financial cost, or you're paying the back-end mental cost <laughs> from the mistakes that you made because you have, not mistakes you're making, but the decisions you're making based off the fact that you don't have enough money to eat healthier. It's a cycle. It's a tragic cycle. It is an awful cycle. And I'll be honest, with that being said, though, do we have any tips to share when it comes to money and budgeting for health costs or just keeping track of any, everything or explaining the hidden cost of living with a health condition to others. I think there are a few resources get becoming more available on the internet about the hidden costs and how to manage your finances when you live with chronic and mental illness. So when you get diagnosed, I, that's the first place I'd go. If you have a diagnosis and you haven't known about this all these years, great time to go and do that. If you're one of those people who can offer their adv advice, I'd say please put it out there for other people. But get a financial advisor, maybe look for someone in the chronic illness community who can help you better with that and budget and prioritize. Putting down the long-term and short-term costs that I'm willing to compromise on in a column pros and cons, that really helps me. But honestly, Sky, I'm still figuring this out. Like with a lot of things, it's a work in progress. Harrison, do you have any tips? I don't know. I think that the pandemic kind of forced me to be frugal. So I, I've become a frugal person. But I don't know if that necessarily is a good tip because sometimes I sacrifice my own health for saving that that penny or something. I think looking back on my 20s, though, I will say that the biggest tip I can recommend is don't sacrifice your health just because you think it's going to save you some money. Because like I mentioned earlier, that is going to come back and bite you. And it could, just throwing out numbers, a procedure could go out of you, cost you 100, 100 bucks or something, right, to go deal with it. But if you put that off and you just say, well, I don't have the money to afford this or I can't figure this out, down the line, that's going to come back. And that now might be tens of thousands, hundreds, that, that could be, that can completely bankrupt you. So it's really unfortunate that our system is so tied together like that, where you have to make a decision. But until we figure out a new system, that's the kind of system we have to navigate. I do have this, I know of this tracker created by my friend Erica at Aikipur blog. She created like a health tracker for people with chronic illness. Of course, you're going to be tracking your symptoms, etc. But she's also created pages in that tracker where you track your finances and where that goes. So that could probably help people. That is a great tip. Building on that, yeah, absolutely try to track things. I've been, it's been a slow process trying to unlearn a lot of my emotional spending tendencies and try to learn healthier coping mechanisms or really just largely it's come with addressing my bipolar 2 symptoms that I hadn't wanted to address in the past. But keeping track of 
all my purchases has been that's been really helpful and also trying to learn what spending money on what brings me joy to spend money on i enjoy buying nice groceries that don't make my stomach hurt immediately so that's something i'm going to prioritize financial trauma is so real like harrison said it's good if you can to address things once they start back in 2019 i spent so much money on urgent care and ER visits because all of a sudden what I thought was an acute issue just built until it had to be dealt with. It's not fun trying to deal with a slipped rib on your own for a month before it finally gets so bad that you can't get out of bed and you need help. And that that ends up being pretty expensive. I also wanted to say when it comes to applying for something like SSDI and you do need an attorney's help, you can ask them, one, if they have any pro bono hours, or two, if when you get approved for SSDI, the attorney can then take a back payment from your SSDI payment that will include the months that you spent not working and applying for disability. It's complicated. It sucks. But I promise there are like great groups on Facebook that are usually condition specific that will have amazing advocates in there to help you out with this. Also not a financial tip as such, but take care of yourself. Prioritize yourself. Go to the doctor when that pain starts. Don't put it off. Take a day off if you need to, if your body's telling you not to go to work. Don't work yourself to the ground. I know we all have this sense to prove ourselves, to make sure that they don't see our illness and that it remains hidden, but that can really cost us. So take the time to take care of yourself and it's okay to lose out today so you don't lose out 10 years from now. I literally mean 10 whole years. Shruti, I could not have said it better myself. And thank you, Harrison and Shruti, for being here and sharing your wisdom. And thank you to everyone out there for listening. If you want more conversations like this, please subscribe to Chronic and Mighty by going to bit.ly slash spoony inbox. That is B-I-T dot L-Y slash S-P-O-N-I-E-I-N-B-O-X. We'll see you in your inbox. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Money is coming, you all.